welcome to the Author Wheel Podcast, where we believe there's no single right way to produce, publish, or promote your work. Only what's right for you. In every episode, we'll talk about common writing roadblocks and how to overcome them so you can keep your stories rolling. So welcome, everybody. Um, Today, we are going to be talking with Sue Campbell about the biggest roadblocks she's encountered in her career and in her clients' careers and how she overcame them. Uh, Sue is from Pages and Platforms. She's a certified book launch coach from timgrawlsbooklaunch.com. She's worked with hundreds of authors, helping them spend their limited time and resources wisely so that their books get their best chance in the world. So welcome, Sue, to the Author Wheel. Thank you so much for having me. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. So we did have Sue on... um, back in May of 2022 or June of 2022, somewhere around there. Um, And so we learned a little bit about you then, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about your background and what you've done and, and then we'll get started right, right in the topic of what your roadblocks are. Sure. So I started what I'm doing now because of what I needed as an author. Right. So I, for years, avoided writing altogether, even though I knew it was exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And I hid from it pretty successfully for a long time. And then when I had my first child, I was like, whoa, if I want this kid to be able to live their dreams, then I need to be able to demonstrate that. Right. I need to be a model for that. Um, And so I started writing and I started writing on the side while I was a business systems analyst for a local government. I was writing for magazines. Um, I eventually moved into copywriting and was writing more for businesses. And then I had a vacation um, with my kid at the time who was six. And I had just read the book, The Penderwicks which is a classic middle grade, um, you know, award winner. Uh, I think it won a national book award and it was just delightful. And I'd also reread Charlotte's Web and I'm like, what about writing for kids? That would be amazing. So I foolishly and with all the um, beginners enthusiasm in the world cranked out the first draft of a middle grade novel in 10 days. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. <laughs> and, you know, middle grade novels are on the light side. So it was, you know, 25,000 words or something like that. Um, and I had my little six-year-old project manager who I'd read a little bit and and they would be like, go, you know, go write some more. This sounds, this is the best thing ever. Keep going. So I had a really good project manager at the time. And then of course it took me five years after that to actually get it from, you know, crappy first draft status into something that was publishable. Um, and during that time, uh, I got together with my two editing colleagues. We all kind of met and realized all of these things that we needed were things that other authors needed too. I became a book launch coach. So I translated my copywriting skills and my content marketing skills into coaching for authors and started this business. And it, I am lucky enough to have created the perfect life for myself where absolutely everything that I do in a day is about books right? Either my books or somebody else's books. And I'm a, I'm a pretty happy camper in that respect. So that's what kind of got me up to this moment. Another little piece that I think is going to be important to our conversation is my absolute obsession with mindset. 
right? I'm lucky enough to come from a really dysfunctional family uh, and to have a chronic uh, health condition that I have to manage very proactively every single day. And so because of that, I've really had to work on mindset stuff and I absolutely love it. And one of the things I realized when I started coaching people on book marketing is, oh, I can hand people a list of actions that they need to take, but if they don't have the mindset for it, they're never, ever, ever going to do it. So mm-hmm. I actually also, in addition to being certified book launch coach, went through a training uh, for life coaching as well to try to augment all my sort of skills that I've developed over time, but really kind of formalize it so that I can provide as much help in that area as possible because it's really, really key. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, we, we've said this before and I'm sure we'll say it a million more times, but writing a book and getting it published or publishing it yourself, however you choose to go. Um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And just like a marathon, you have to have the mindset that will get you all the way to that finish line. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing that I, I think is kind of interesting is generally when you talk to people and you find out what they're currently doing, it it evolved from their own personal problems also. Uh, For sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, some of the stuff that Megan and I teach, the reason we teach it is because we were stumbling over these issues and having these problems. So, uh, you know, what better way to learn than to help somebody else? So yeah. uh, why don't we dive into the whole roadblock thing? Um, what what, what do you, would you say was your biggest roadblock as an author? Um, I think my biggest roadblock was fear was a lot of it, right? I didn't think, like I had this locked in set of ideas about what I thought I could write, right? So for a long time, I considered myself only in the nonfiction space, personal essay kind of space and journalistic pieces, right? I'm like, that's what I know how to do. That's where I am. I remember telling myself, oh, I could never write fiction, right? I don't, I could never do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't have the imagination to do that, right? Um, So that was my, what I thought was my biggest obstacle. And my clients, um, for a long time, I did like an intake form, right? So when someone would come in and work for me, I'm like, okay, what do you think your biggest problems are, right? And I aggregated all of the data, (laughs) all of this qualitative data. And it's like, okay, the, the four biggest things that shook out over time, and again, hundreds of authors are, um, the first one is time. People think they don't have enough time. The second one is fear, and these are actually in no particular order, fear, um, uh, perfectionism, right? People don't want to release something until they think it's really going to be good enough. And then the other one is lack of knowledge, right? It's kind of like lack of knowledge slash lack of confidence, Mm -hmm. where you feel like you don't know enough to carry it forward. So those are the things that I hear from my clients again and again. And what I try to help people understand um, and what I came to understand was none of that is the real obstacle. The real obstacle is the stories that we tell ourselves, right? So we're telling ourselves a story about time, right? We make ourselves a victim of time and like we don't have any choices that we could make any differently. We have a story about what perfection is and the standard that something has to be at before it can be released out into the world. We have tons of BS stories about what's going to happen, right? That gets our fear going, right? Like what are all the possible things that could happen? Um, And 
and also that like, I don't, I don't know how, right. And one of the things I say to people is we don't get to know the how without doing the work, right? You can't solve for the how all up in your head before you ever take an action. How is earned by trying things, right? You're not going to know how you did it until you get to the end and be like, oh, that's how I did it. I tried a (laughs) bunch of other stuff that didn't work, but that's how I did it. Yeah. Well, and so I, I don't know, we've, been talking about this kind of offline a lot recently and and um but the idea of kind of wrapping all this up i think into what i call or would call imposter syndrome right it's yeah. this idea that well i could never be good enough like that's i i'm not i don't have the experience i don't have the education i don't have the whatever um to to make that to make me an expert to give me that ability to do the thing whatever that thing is and in, in this yeah. case you know for writing a novel or whatever And I think imposter syndrome is so hard to deal with. Like, I mean, you can teach growth mindset, you can teach some of those things, but it creeps back in even when you know all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So how do you sort of train yourself and your clients to overcome that and stick with it despite the fact that they might have these, you know, um, resistance um, in their brain or the inhibiting beliefs? Yeah. So great, great question. And I think imposter syndrome is really, really common and is tied to a lot of the things that we just talked about too. And I have two thoughts about this. Um, there's a lot of mm, dissecting your particular brand of imposter syndrome, right? Again, getting at the story that you're telling yourself that's creating the imposter syndrome right? You really have to look, writers, we're so dramatic, right? We love to use the most dramatic language possible to describe all of the obstacles that we're facing. So you'll have people who are, you know, telling you in great vivid detail about why someone else is completely successful and famous and why that can never, ever, ever happen for them because they're like a slimy piece of garbage on the floor, right? Like we'll use really, really dramatic language. When you can separate your facts from your story, right? This is an actual fact that everyone could agree on and measure and stick in a spreadsheet. And this is just something that I'm putting on as a layer over that, right? That's the story that's over that. You've really got to dissect all of those pieces of your particular brand of imposter syndrome so you can evaluate, is this really true? Right. And it is a practice over time and something that you have to keep doing. You don't like unpack imposter syndrome one time and it never, never comes up for you again. Right. So it's really important to keep playing with that and be able to spot it. Because so often when we're telling ourselves these stories, it's like we're watching the news. Right. It's like we're watching MSNBC or whatever it is. And we're like, no, this is just the news. This is the facts. And it's not. So you've got to get good at spotting that that's a story and that that story is not serving you. Right. And one of the things about imposter syndrome, particularly for anyone who is not a like cis hetero male, is imposter syndrome is something that is given to us from the patriarchy. Right. We're taught to doubt ourselves and question ourselves and do all of the work for the patriarchy to keep ourselves down. And for a lot of people, when I say that, they're like, oh, right. They're like, I don't want, you know, I I don't want that. I don't want the patriarchy to determine what I can and can't do. So when they see, look, your imposter syndrome is your social conditioning 
telling you all of the reasons why you are not the person to be able to do this. Right. So a lot of times that is very inspiring to people because they'll be like, no, I'm fighting back against it. Right. Which is great and really, really empowering. So that's another piece of imposter syndrome. I used to I used to be a, a personal trainer and the things that you mentioned um, about no time and I'm not I don't have the ability or the natural talent or the whatever. Those were all the same. Yeah. excuses that people give when they want to, um, you know, achieve a certain fitness goal and are terrified that they can't, that they can't do it. But here they came along and paid me whatever it was at the time, 75 bucks an hour. And so, you know, it was a big waste of money if they didn't. Um, so it was kind of an interesting thing, but one of the, the techniques, and, and I wonder how this technique couldn't be tweaked a little bit to use with writers, or if it is maybe similar to some of the things you do with your, uh, with your people that I would do is just get them onto a goal. Like stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about this goal. Like how about you're going to run a 5k? And now it all becomes about running the 5K. And then this week, you're just going to go out and you're going to run a mile two or three times. And it doesn't matter how quickly. And we're going to do these exercises to get your legs strong, blah, 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 blah. So almost to get your mind off of yourself and onto the project. And I'm wondering, do you use any kind of strategies that might be similar? Yeah. So we, we do concentrate a lot on goal setting. So we have something called the happily ever author club, right? Where you can come in and we'll give you, um, writing advice and writing tools and marketing tools and mindset tools, right? We've got a three-part framework to be happily ever author. And it's the story you tell yourself, the story you write and the story that you share. And part of this is goal setting. Now, where a lot of people get tripped up with goal setting is what we try to circumvent. So number one, <clears throat> people think that once they reach a goal, then they can feel a certain way, mm. right? So I, that goal, attainment of that goal means that I'm worthy or I'm not an imposter or I can finally be proud of myself or whatever it is. I'm not down with that at all. And the chances of you reaching your goal, if you're going to beat yourself up all along the way and not allow yourself to enjoy positive emotions, it's pretty slim. <laughs> right. Yeah. And when you do get it, it's going to be a very temporary boost. I can't tell you the number of clients I've talked to or just stories I've heard of other authors where they're like, yeah, I hit the bestseller list and it was the best 10 minutes of my life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then there. it was completely, completely over and, and meant almost nothing. Right. So you can avoid that. I absolutely believe in setting goals and having something to focus on, but we have to really set ourselves up well in the goal planning process. One of the ways that I do that is I call it the goal sandwich. So I want you to make a list of a bunch of things that you want or that you, you wanted at one time and that you already have, right? So you're oh. going to come to goal setting with this feeling of accomplishment from things that you've already done, right? Because everyone thinks, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this, and it's all stuff they don't have. And we don't take time to appreciate, oh, I already wrote two books. I already have a manuscript that's 90% of the way there. 
I already, you know, won an award for a book, right? So I want people to make a list of all of those things that they've wanted and they already have. And then I want them to put their new goal, like in the middle of those, right? Hmm. And state it as if it's already accomplished. So you're setting a, your new goal might be, you know, I want to finish my a next book, um, get done with all the way through the final draft by December of this year. Right. So you're going to make a list for yourself of I've already managed to do this. I already have two books published. Um, I'm I've got my next book that's done on December 31st of 2022. And I once spoke at South by Southwest. Right. So you're sandwiching it all in there. And the feeling that you're generating from that is so much different than the graspy feeling that we sometimes have for goals and then not allowing ourselves a certain feeling or emotional state until we reach that goal. So that's really important to me in goal setting is just that we are, we're doing it for the right reasons. We like the reasons for setting the goal and we understand there's not any special magic emotional state that's going to be unlocked once that goal is there that we can't have now. We can have that exact same feeling right now. I love, I love that. That's actually, yeah, really very cool. Um, I know one thing that I struggle with a lot is the, is that, perpetual moving goalpost, you know, so you start out, you set your goal and then you achieve that goal and you go, yay. And then you're already, before you even say yay, you're already on to the next goal and the next thing. And I know for me, I find myself going, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did that. Mm, Great. (laughs) But, but, you know, but, but it's really important. You're right. I like that idea of listing it out and kind of inserting that into the middle um, so that you do take the moment to appreciate how far you've come. Um, Because whether you're new or if you already have, you know, 10 books under your belt, you're always going for that next thing. You're always feeling like you're underachieving maybe or or not as successful as somebody else that you're comparing yourself to. But it's all those little steps that lead to that success in time. So I think that's really important and really cool. Yeah. And another way to look at it, which I've, you know, people like James Clear, who wrote the wonderful book, Atomic Habits, is like, if you if you are the person who's constantly moving the goalposts on yourself, and you're just feeling kind of burnt out on goal mentality, one of the things you can do is reframe it so that you're more focusing on systems, Mm -hmm. right? Just establishing systems and habits that you will commit to over time. And then sometimes the goals just they just take care of themselves. Right. And you don't have that grasping. And then a lot of people also, oh, I finished that book and you have the momentary elation. And then you're like in despair because you don't have a book going right now. Right. And you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Right. You have that that sort of creative lull and you kind of freak out. Mm-hmm. So having systems in place, I like personally systems and goals working together. But when you have systems in place where you're like, I just set this time aside to write every day or every week, you know, and that is just my time because this is who I am as a writer. And this is how I'm going to be fulfilled every single day is by knowing I showed up to do the work. I think that's that's so important because in the fitness world, one of the things that uh, is so true is that if if you can't see yourself accomplishing that thing, uh, whatever the goal is, if you can't see yourself as that person, um, it's going to be like trying to hold your breath to yeah. get there. And you might, you might, right. but it's you're going to be miserable. And 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 those are the 
the yo-yo dieters, right? Who just mm-hmm. starve themselves for the school reunion or what have you. And then as soon as it's over, it's just like, give me the pizza because they never did see themselves as this lean, healthy person who's enjoying this new lifestyle and caring for their body in a new way. They only saw themselves as somebody who was punishing themselves for a past sin. And like I said, like holding your breath, like how long can you hold your breath? And and I I think we do that even to ourselves as writers sometimes. Like I, I was listening to somebody else who was talking and she just loves to read, but she got into this weird mindset where it was like, I'm not allowed to read fiction until I've written my X number of words for the day. Mm -hmm. And then if she didn't get her X number of words, then she's going without the very thing that feeds her creativity Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. write the next X number of words. And, you know, so sometimes I do think we want to browbeat ourselves or punish ourselves into something. But what you were saying is so much more true, the more nurturing, enjoying, seeing yourself, learning to see yourself as a person who is a creative, who does write books, who can speak at places, has spoken, will speak again. Uh, All of those things, you're beginning to, to reframe your image, your internal image of yourself. Yeah. And um, I actually am getting a coffee cup made (laughs) that says writer's pledge, be hard on your characters, gentle with yourself. I like like it. Save the drama for the novel. Um, Be kind to yourself uh, so that you can actually accomplish what you want. And I love your fitness analogy because the the story that you're telling yourself is so important. And the people who are doing, you know, holding your breath and starvation dieting for a certain goal Um, They are telling themselves a a story that is very different from the person who is showing up for that self-care every single day because I care about what I put in my body and I want to feel good. Totally different stories that those two people are telling themselves. Yeah. So one of the things people can do is actually get in touch with your future self right? Your future self three years from now, who's got two more books out and who has a very steady daily fulfilling writing practice and is feeling great and all their other relationships isn't, you know, drinking themselves to death. The future version of you, who you want to be, you write a letter as your future self to your current self, right? Here's how we did it, sweetheart. Here's all the magic, right? Because we already have all the answers in us. Every single one of you out there has the answers in yourself about what is the best path for you to take and what is right for you. But you've got to get past the fear-based messages. You've got to get past the imposter syndrome and really develop a relationship with yourself where this is about just becoming the best version of you and then see what happens. I really like that. That's really cool. So, uh, Sue, tell us a little bit more about where we can find you if people are interested in joining your Happily Ever Author Club or signing up to be a, a client and and where all that, where you exist in the interwebs. <laughs> sure. So on the interwebs, we are at pagesandplatforms.com. 
And I highly recommend you sign up for our newsletter because we've got some free resources for you as a writer, including a free mini mindset course and some stuff for writing and some stuff for marketing. And that will give you a taste and see if you want to come on into the Happily Ever Author Club, which is a super amazing place online. Um, we've got a fantastic group of writers who are just showing up and doing the work and supporting each other. And it's really my favorite place. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. So Sue, thank you so much for joining us again and uh, being one of our first official interviews. Oh, my for the pleasure. New show. My honor. <laughs> I really, we really appreciate it. Um, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Great. Yes. Thanks. Take care. Are you an aspiring author? Stop by www.authorwheel.com slash stuff to download the top five writing roadblocks aspiring authors must overcome. Thank you for listening to the Author Wheel Podcast, hosted by Greta Boris and Megan Haskell, edited by Jim Wilborn.